Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. So I want to talk to you about being caught between Galilee and Samaria. So I want to set up just with a, an opening scripture that I feel like should be a monumental scripture in the church, but I personally have only heard it read or taught maybe a handful of times. So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to read some of Jesus' last words, and we're going to use them to just kind of be a foundation for where we're going to hang out this morning. Uh, that's in Matthew chapter 28. While you're going there, if you want to mark or hold uh, Luke chapter 17, that's where we're going to hang out today. I personally have been on a journey uh, for months now uh, like nothing else in my life. I'm nervous and yet anxious to begin to share some of this journey, some of the personal things. I am not there yet, not at a place where I can share a lot of it. Uh, but just going through and learning so much through this process and through this journey. And I, I feel like this morning, this word, uh, I feel like it's the beginning of beginning to share this journey and share this process. And, and, and this is going to be a very personal. I feel like in some weird way, we have uh, looked down on preaching things that are super personal as kind of like this, you just need to preach the Bible and keep your personal life out of it. But if it's not personal to you, then it's not emotionally connected to you. And if it's not, then you're not going to be any good teaching it. That's why we have a lot of churches with a lot of teaching that does absolutely nothing because it's not personal. It's not connected. They're not emotionally invested. You're just reading this. Jesus said, you... Claim me with your mouth, but your heart is far removed from me. And so today I want it to be very personal. Uh, and so this is just a, just a piece out of my journey, so to speak. So let's read these first scriptures, then we're going to jump to Luke 17. Matthew 28. Let's read verses 18, 19, and 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. <laughs> That's so crazy, because how often are we taught that Satan is the god of this world? False. Satan was. Was the god of this world. Now all authority on earth was given to Jesus. So be careful who you give that authority to. Go therefore... Somebody look at your neighbor and say, just go. Look at him and say, just go somewhere. Look at him and say, just do something. Because all authority has been given to Jesus, we should just go somewhere and do something. Make disciples of all nations. Now, I love this because... It's such a, uh, it's a double here. Because when Jesus was talking about us, he was actually talking about nations. Like, go to different ones. Uh, that's why we have missionaries, so we send them to other nations and we chill out, right? 
Uh, but he meant this. But nations in the Bible is such a double word because it also means mindsets. So he's saying, I need you to make disciples. Discipline is where we get the word disciple. I need you to learn to biblically discipline other mindsets. Oh, y'all ain't ready this morning. I need to slow down. Jesus said, because I have authority, I need you to just go somewhere and do something. And in doing the something, I want you to learn to biblically discipline other mindsets. Why? Because I came preaching, repent, for the kingdom is available. What does repent mean? Metanoia, to change the way you think. I need you to come in and change some thought processes to understand that the kingdom is available. Even in the middle of a pandemic, the kingdom is still available. Are you with me? So look at your neighbor and say, just go somewhere. Just do something. Where are we at? I lost my place. Disciple nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So be it. All right, let's look at Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. Uh, We're going to read verses 11 through 19. And uh, then we'll just kind of come back and we'll break it down as we go. What do y'all think? Luke 17 and 11. Now it happened as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. A, A more accurate translation here would be he went between. He passed between Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village, and there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Uh, One translation would say, As they went, they were healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten healed? But, th- but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your faith has made you whole. Notice, as he went, he was healed. When he returned, he was whole. Two different word plays here. You've got to pay attention to the Bible. So what I want you to show, I want to show you first. We're going to jump back up to the beginning and we're just going to nerd out on some of this, okay? So now what happened is he went to Jerusalem that he passed between Samaria and Galilee. Now, when I got to studying this, that, was, that stuck out to me. As soon as I began to read this this week, and God specifically took me here for some things personally, but I got hung up on the fact that he went between Samaria and Galilee. Now, in it, you understand, if you know anything about the Bible, you know that the uh, Jews and those in Galilee were super racist. And they were super racist against Samaria, so much so that they had built a road 
to go around Samaria, even though it took them almost twice as long to go to where they wanted to go. But they so didn't want to hang out with a Samaritan that they were willing to take the long way around just to get down to Jerusalem, uh, Judea. And so if, you're, if you can picture this, I went in and began to study this map and just look at the, at the path and where they were at. And between Samaria and Galilee, there's what we know as Jezreel Valley. Now Jezreel Valley is super fertile. It's one of the most fertile places. It was so many Old Testament wars were fought over having this place. They wanted to have Jezreel Valley, which had a, a city that sat on a hill overlooking it. And they thought if you could run this, if you owned the valley and you owned the hill, then you owned it all. Because from there you could see anyone coming. It makes a big triangle and it's down a huge valley. Well, to travel from the north to the south, from where Jesus was in Galilee, to travel down to Jerusalem, you would have to pass through Jezreel Valley. That was like the... Uh, what would you call it? It was like a major, I'm going to say, substation. It was a, in other words, the, the typography funneled you there and you had to go through it to get to where you were going. Why is this important? It's important to know that everywhere Jesus went, everything he did had so much meaning and so much purpose behind it. So when you study this out, you begin to realize that in this place, which we know as Jezreel Valley, Jesus encounters the ten lepers. So he finds himself somewhere between Samaria and Galilee in Jezreel Valley, and he encounters ten lepers. Now this is the thing about... Uh, sorry, I'm going to pull this up on here so I don't get it wrong. This is the thing about where we're at. If you look at Jezreel Valley, which is actually, if you break this down and look at what it is, where it was from, the word here is actually... I know I'm going to mess this up. Yisrael. What they would have called it would actually be Yisrael, which actually means God sows. Partly of, part of this is because the land was so fertile. It grew so well. So they begin to call it Yisrael, where God sows. Well, Jesus doesn't miss anything. So when Jesus finds himself in a situation encountering someone in a place called God sows, Jesus knows what's happening in the moment. And so what I want to show you about this place is that as I begin to study Samaria and I begin to study Galilee, I begin to look at these two places and as I just begin to dive into each one of them, one of the first things that stuck out to me that I clung to from Samaria was that it became known as a Hellenistic culture. Now, right away, if you don't know what that means, that word just sounds really bad, like it's a Hellenistic culture. Uh, and, and in a way, you could probably use that term. But what it actually means is it was a culture that was influenced by a whole lot of other cultures. And they begin to adopt ways and ideas and ideology and all types of things from all over. So it becomes this smorgasbord, so to speak, of all these different belief systems and ideas. And this is what we see as Samaria, which is down here. And then you have Galilee above it, and Jesus has found himself in between these two places with the ten lepers. Well, then I begin to look at Galilee. And if you, can, if you go look at a map that shows you everywhere Jesus performed miracles, it's going to be super cluttered all around Galilee. A lot of what he did was centered right around Galilee. You have Capernaum and, and these cities where he was just doing so many miracles right here at Galilee. But most importantly, it's known as where Jesus walked on water. 
So you have these two places. You have one is Samaria, which is a Hellenistic culture, a lot of influence in different areas. And then you have a place of Galilee, which is known for the place that Jesus walks on water. So as I begin to look at this and think, what does it look like to be caught between Galilee and Samaria? And what I begin to see, the Holy Spirit began to show me that for most of us, this is where we're at because you're no longer living in a Hellenistic culture. You, you, you've laid down a lot of the influence and the ideologies and the things that were coming at you that were negative, that were not of Jesus, that were not biblical, those types of things. But if we were honest, we're also not walking on water. You feel me? Like, I'm not in, I'm not in Samaria. Like, I, I've been there. I was there for a while. I hung out. I got a t-shirt and some scars from it. Like, I was there. But I'm not there now, but I can't help but realize I'm also not in Galilee because I'm not walking on water and I'm not multiplying the bread and the fish. I'm not healing the paralyzed. I'm not doing all these things. So I'm in this weird place in between. I'm in this, I'm caught in this place where I'm not where I was, but I'm not what I read either. And it's in this place they encounter Jesus. I love this. Because I'm becoming more and more convinced that most of us don't have this type of encounter with Jesus while we're in Samaria. Most of us have an incredible encounter. We have a salvation experience. We have someone present the gospel to us. We have something that happens that gets us out of Samaria. But a lot of times it's after we're out of Samaria we have the encounter with Jesus. And so what I want to do today is I want to look at this encounter and what did it entail and what did it hold. Because Jesus encounters ten lepers, ten outcasts, ten that had been put off from everyone else. And these ten have found their self not in Samaria because they could no longer be a part of the culture there because of what was wrong with them. But they also can't be in Galilee. For one, they're, they're despised by the church. They're despised by religion. They're told by religious people that the way they are is because of what somebody did or what they did. So they're in this weird place in between. And I feel like if we're honest with ourselves, we relate more to the ten lepers than we do to those that are hanging out in Galilee. We don't relate to the religious elite that are hanging out in the synagogues in Galilee. We don't even relate to Jesus on a certain level of when He's in Galilee doing these types of things. Often I find myself relating to, I feel like the lepers who are caught somewhere in between, where I realize something's off and something's not right. I'm thankful I'm not where I was. I'm thankful I've been brought out of Samaria. But I'm asking the questions of why have I not went into Galilee? Why am I not stepping into something bigger and something greater and the things that He's designed for me? And the church ends up being caught somewhere between Samaria and Galilee. And in the middle of this, they encounter Jesus. And Jesus shows up and really just, just acts exact opposite of what most of us get taught when we encounter religion. They show up, and what's crazy is... When you're the leper and you've become outcasts, and you're just out there doing your thing, and you're by yourself, and you're not around people, and you've settled in, and you've become comfortable where you're at, then sometimes I feel like you can slip into realizing, you, you slip into not really realizing the condition that you're in, because there's nothing there 
for you to measure your condition against. Did I say that right? So it's easy to get comfortable in this in-between place because I'm not hanging around someone who is reminding me I'm still messed up. You get what I'm saying? But I've come so much further than I was, I hang on to that and become comfortable where I'm at. So what happens a lot of times is I will settle into a non-spiritual place because the lack of spirituality allows me to remain where I am without being convicted of who I am. I'm going to try this again. What we like to do is to push aside spiritual influences and segregate or separate ourselves because it lets me remain in the dysfunction that I'm in. And if you're not around, see, it's easy to not be... How do I say this? It's easy to not be convicted that I don't pray for the sick until I hang around Colby. And you can't hang around Colby and not be convicted that you don't pray for the sick. See, so if I separate myself from Colby, then I can grow numb to the conviction that I should be praying for the sick. So what we do a lot of times is we don't get caught between, we just set up camp between. Because I'm not bad, I'm not going to hell no more. So I'm good. Like, I'm going to heaven. But if I get too close to you, I'm going to be convicted of the fact that I'm still right here. Man, this is too real. And so we spend most of our life right in between. And instead of pressing into people who challenge us to our core, who push us to the next level, we would rather separate a little bit. That way, at least after a while, the voice just goes away. But when I hang around people who are always hearing the voice, it's always reminding me, man, I'm not in Galilee. I'm not where I said, I'm not where Jesus said I could be. I'm not operating in the level that I should be operating in. I don't share the gospel with people. But because I'm not around people who do share the gospel, I'm okay with not sharing the gospel. Man. So they find themselves in this weird in between place. I say weird, it's actually probably the most common place. But they encounter this man named Jesus. And I love Jesus' response. See, because when you encounter Jesus, you immediately become aware of the dysfunction. You immediately become aware, I'm a leper, I need you to heal me. I need you to cleanse me. I need you to deal with this situation. You can't get close to Jesus and not be aware of what's wrong. It's just the way it works. And so when they get close to Jesus, now they found themselves in this place called God sows. And they're living, they're, they're, they're hanging out in this place. Well, Jesus ends up in their place. Well, when Jesus gets in their place, all of a sudden they're very aware. Man, we have leprosy, and he has the answer. So they begin to cry out. They begin to cry out from six feet away. Okay, it may not have been, it just says far off. They begin to cry out, Jesus, save us, fix us, heal us, deliver us. I don't, I don't believe it was pretty. I don't believe it was well thought out. I don't believe it was all put together and this is how we pray and this is how we... No, it was, Jesus, I'm jacked up. And in my jacked upness, that's, that's a real word, check it out. In this state, I need you to heal me. So Jesus 
in his infinite wisdom, enrolls them in a program to make them better people. No, he didn't. You know what he said? Go. Go. I can just see them like, yeah, like, what? <laughs> and I know he didn't, but the Jesus I like to think of is probably like, you still standing here? You see what I'm saying? He immediately throws them into something that the church has shut down. Oh, you're, you're, you're too messed up. You can't go yet. Jesus said, oh, you're messed up? Go. Go, go somewhere. Look at your neighbor and tell him, go somewhere. Do something. Most of us are still dysfunctional as we are because we're still hanging out where we're in the dysfunction. And we haven't begun to go. We haven't begun to move forward. So this year, uh, this year was a, a year of a deep personal revealing of something in my own life. Deep, deep wounds and scars, things that had happened. And, and they were all brought to the surface through a dream that God gave my wife, actually. See, this is why it's so important. That's why it's so important who you're connected to. That's why it's so important who you invest in a relationship with. Because I had something that couldn't be tapped into because it was so deep and it was so personal and it was so hidden that it took someone as close as my wife being as spiritual as my wife is for God to trust her with something that could become my healing. That's why it's important who we connect ourselves. That's why my group is small. I didn't know I was going to go here. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't have a lot of friends. It's not the way I roll. But the friends I have around me, I trust that are connected enough that they're going to steer me and point me in the direct, right direction, that they're spiritual enough to be able to do this. It's so important. Why is it important? Because of what I said earlier. If I surround myself with a bunch of carnal people, I will become comfortable in carnality. But if I put people around me who are having spiritual dreams that are calling me up, then it does something in me. And I start saying, you know what? I can't settle for where I'm at. I can't keep covering up these past hurts and hang-ups and scars. They need to be healed. They need to be dealt with. This is why it's important who's around you. Jesus called the twelve. He invested a little more into six, and then he had several times where he only took three. It wasn't by accident. He knew who he could trust to be that close and that involved and that invested. So God began to reveal some things. And when it first came out, when the dream came out, and, the, and then the revelation of the dream and what it was and how it related to me and the whole healing process... I thought, well, now that I'm aware of it, I need to focus on getting it right. And so for the past few months, I have disengaged from all my going, doing that we're talking about and became super aware of this needs to be fixed. This needs to be dealt with. And the more I became super aware of it and how do I fix it and how do I deal with this and how do I get this right, 
the more disengaged I became and the more disconnected I became and the more estranged I became as I become more and more aware of something that needed to be healed. Here's the thing. God revealed it and his desire is always to heal it and make it right. But in the awareness, because now the ten lepers have found themselves close to Jesus and they have been made very aware of the fact that they have a disease and that they are messed up. But in the awareness, Jesus gives them a command to go and do something. He does not bring it up so that they become so aware that it consumes their life and it consumes their thoughts and it consumes everything they are. This was not the plan, but this is what I had done. And I became consumed with needing this thing healed and corrected and taken care of. And after months of struggling in this and figuring this out, and what do I do? The Holy Spirit began to remind me of just some incredible things I've had the privilege of being a part of in my life. And He began to show me things that have been started and the community and things that have happened of opportunities I've had to go and minister in some incredible areas and uh, Taylor and I starting Crossfire in our school, which immediately became the biggest club the school has ever seen. At one point, we were literally running about 85% of the high school. Our club became so big, when I say this, what it was is we literally just came in once a month and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ in our high school. It became so big, they had to move us into the auditorium because it was the only place at the school big enough to hold this club built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he began to just walk me through these opportunities of us getting the privilege to pull off the largest multi-denominational youth event that according to everyone I've talked to, this parish has ever seen. And we pulled one off and did it right here in, in, in Caldwell. All these things, he just began to remind me of them and stir up my remembrance of these things I've been involved in. And at the end of it, he gave me a very deep statement. Are you ready for it? He began to tell me, you were just as messed up when you did those things as you are right now. And I was like, well, thanks for the encouragement. But he began to open my eyes to something. That the, the dysfunction and the... the I don't know a better word for it at this moment. The mental illness and the, the, the things I was struggling with, they were there then. But I was being obedient to the go and the do. And they were being worked on. And they were being dealt with. And there were things that I was involved in and being a part of. But once it came up for God to do that final healing, instead of continuing with what He had called me to do, I just became super aware of the dysfunction. And my my attention got caught up on just the dysfunction. Just the, the whatever, you're, whatever you want to call it. And it became the only thing I was aware of. And in only being aware of it, I missed the scripture where Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. And as they went... But the problem is, a lot of times when we become aware of our dysfunctions, the immediate thing to do is stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. Now, let me throw this in here. If God tells you to stop, by all means, don't move. Wait. Do not move. But make sure God is telling you to stop. 
Because in a lot of instances, the healing and the restoration comes as I go. Jesus said, go. All authority has been given to me. And because I have all authority, you go. And while you go, I'll work on things that you can't. There's things that are to be... And and listen, I'm not talking about suppressing things and putting them behind you and just go on and act like nothing's wrong. That's not healthy either. I, I need you to understand that when I am being obedient to the call of Jesus in my life, He can heal things internally that all the counseling in the world could not touch. But it's when I'm going. It's when I've heard the word, go, do this. God's called us to do so many things, but our awareness of our situation keeps us sitting still and we're, God, as soon as this is better, as soon as this is dealt with, as soon as this is taken care of, as soon as this is healed, I'm going to go. As soon as this, and Jesus said, no, just go. They were still missing body parts. They still had a very obvious disease on them and in them. And they just began to go. And I love this story because nine of them went with selfish motives and still got healed. I'm telling you, there's so much to be said about the goodness of God. But they all were obedient. They all moved. They all began to walk. And and I've heard Dad do some incredible teaching on this, of the process of going. And as you're going, you begin to be like, oh, wow, that's, that's so much better now. As they begin to get to the priest, you can imagine that all of this started to correct itself every step of the way. We don't know if it took them 100 yards, 200 yards, 3 miles, 7 miles. We don't know. But we know they continued walking and continued walking and continued walking until finally all 10 men had walked into complete healing out of being obedient. God didn't need them to figure it all out first. He just needed them to say yes to going. And in their willingness to say yes in the going... He did things they couldn't do. He took care of situations that they couldn't take care of. In no way, I feel like for a long time we've been scared to teach grace on the level that it's intended because the church always takes grace and uses it for lasciviousness and finds ways to live like hell and blame grace for us going to go to heaven anyway. So, so in no way am I saying you get to remain all jacked up and messed up. And, and No, God's desire is always complete healing. It's always wholeness. But we've just become so aware of, so focused on the fact that we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. And, and God, what about this? And what about this hang up? And what about this thing that happened? And what about these? And Jesus is saying, just go. Share the gospel. Tell someone how good I am. Go do what I have called you to do. And it's crazy because a lot of times we we get in these situations where we're no longer in Samaria, we haven't been to Galilee, we're in this middle place, and we have an encounter. And usually the encounter always reveals or makes us very aware of what's wrong and the dysfunction. And And in that moment, you have a decision, you have a choice you have to make. Of am I going to be obedient and begin to go in the midst of what I see? Or will I like Elijah and David 
Well, I use these, the awareness of what I'm in to go hide in a cave somewhere. Because if I'm being honest, for the last, I don't know, three, four, five months, me personally, I just hid in a cave. I just jumped in a cave and was like, I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to get this fixed and then we're going to come out strong. And I just found a cave to hide in. What's crazy is Elijah was experiencing some of the craziest miracles that anyone had ever seen. He was doing things you can't even imagine and then becomes very aware of a situation in his life that could cost him his life and decides, you know what, I should go hide in a cave. Isn't it so crazy how God can be using us and doing things in our life and blessing us and things are just going our way, things are happening, but then we have a certain encounter and it makes us aware of a dysfunction that God is wanting to heal and instead of embracing and moving forward in this, we just find a cave to hide in. And no one's moving forward. You're not coming into your healing and people are not experiencing what you've been called to do. We're not called to find a cave to hide in until we fix our dysfunctions. Jesus shows up and finds 12 guys. 12 messed up, dysfunctional guys. So messed up and dysfunctional that after three years of ministry, he's still telling them, Guys, look, you don't even know what spirit you're of. Three years in with Jesus. And he's saying, no, we're not calling down fire and burning an entire city. Get it together, John. This is what we're dealing with. And guess what? Then he finds them in the same chapter, arguing over, well, I'm, you know, I'm Jesus' favorite, so I'm better than you. Well, no, you're not, because, I mean, I'm the one known as the beloved. This is the conversation. That, well, I mean, I've seen 12 people healed in my city, and you only seen six, so... Go read your Bible. All this is happening in the midst of this. And guess what Jesus does? This is going so well, I'm going to call 70 of y'all. Wait, Jesus, the 12 are not doing great, if you haven't noticed. Uh, Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand, though. I can deal with the. I can heal these things as we go. I can work these out as we go. I can take care of these things. I just need 12 men who will go. I've quoted it before, uh, and, and now I'm even more into it because some incredible pe people bought me a book that's all about his life. But I've become crazy obsessed with uh, Ulysses. Yeah, that guy. U.S. Grant. Him. And it was said of him that he was a kind of a, wild, a loose cannon. He was kind of a, a, a wild guy. And, uh, but he began to go up in ranks so fast. Well, a lot of the other guys that were very rigid and, you know, they had all their stuff together and had it figured out, didn't like it. So they went to the president and said, you need to get rid of this guy. He's a loose cannon. And the president's response is so incredible. He says, I can't spare him because he fights. In other words, I can spare you because you just try to look the part. But he actually fights. He's actually on the field getting stuff done. I feel like this is where Jesus is at. Like, I know you're a little rough around the edges, and, 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 but I can work all that out as we go. I just need some that I can say, I can't spare him because he'll fight. 
I can't spare him because he'll actually share the gospel at the gas pump. I can't, share, I can't spare her because she'll actually put together a program to help the needy and make sure everyone has Christmas. I know they may not have it all figured out. Their theology is not, probably not perfect, and you probably don't agree with their eschatology, but guess what? I can't spare them because they're actually doing something. The Pharisees had all kinds of really good reasons for why the disciples couldn't be the ones. And I feel like Jesus was almost said quoting Abraham, but anyway. I feel like Jesus was saying, I can't spare these guys. They're actually fighting. They're actually doing something. Yeah, they, they got issues. They're still arguing over who's the greatest. You know what I love about that conversation is Jesus never rebukes them for arguing over who's the greatest. You ever catch that? He doesn't. He just learns to channel that into where it should be. He doesn't stop and say, okay, we're going to put you in a program until you're a better person. No, no, no. It's in the journey. I don't know if y'all have been keeping up with the teaching that uh, Dad is doing right now, especially the teaching on emotional maturity and emotional health. This is some of the most important and revolutionizing teaching that I have ever heard in any form of the church right now. This was not the kind of stuff we heard taught when we were coming up. When we were coming up, it was, you just get right so you make it to heaven. But now we're starting to step into this thing where we're being brought into a maturity and a realness of, of what Christianity is supposed to look like and it's supposed to be like. And find me someone in Scripture that God used who had it figured out on day one. He didn't. Wednesday night, Dad made a statement that just stuck with me. I wrote it down. He said... It's progressive conversion. It's a progress. It's a process. But the problem is we often remove ourselves from the equation because we don't have it yet. I'm too messed up, dude. Guess what? So is everyone around you. <laughs> You're not the only one. The problem is we've just allowed it to be the reason we don't go. I said the scriptures we opened with should be some of the most important scriptures we hear, but we very rarely ever actually hear them. And this is why. Because most of the church is not in go mode. We're in let's sit back and fix ourselves mode. And that wasn't what Jesus is asking us to do. He said, you go and I'll fix you. As they went, they were healed. And this statement just kept... And so God began to show me, I don't need you to stop and become super aware of what I revealed and I want to heal. If I revealed it, I'm going to heal it. And I'm going to take care of it. I just need you to say yes. I just need you to keep going. I just need you to be obedient. I need you to move forward. Go show yourself to the priest. And so it was. As they went, they were cleansed. Now, I, I, I took some time to break down where they were at, which was Jezreel Valley. They actually called it Yisrael, which means God sows. Why is this important? Because in the moment, Jesus does not put them in a program. He does not even give them a sermon. He doesn't give them a prophetic word. He doesn't do any of those things. He merely sows a seed. And how they dealt and stewarded the seed determined the level of their healing. 
So standing in a place called God sows, Jesus sows an opportunity to be obedient. And the level on which they stewarded the opportunity revealed the level of healing they got to have. They all ten made it to the priest, so all ten were completely healed. They all stewarded what was sown into their lives completely, and so all ten were healed. All ten were physically healed. They were physically corrected. The disease of leprosy was physically dealt with in all ten of their lives. But we can't ignore the fact that one of them returned back to Jesus. And Jesus says, weren't there nine that were healed? In other words, he already knew all of them were healed. And he says, but because you've returned, now you've been made whole. God doesn't just want you to be saved and go to heaven. He wants you to be whole. He wants you to be completely healed. A lot of us become just focused on external healings while living with internal diseases. I don't know how else to put that. I personally, through all of my ministry life, and all the incredible things God used me to do, I did all of them without being whole, without being really healed. You may have never known it. And when I was up here under the anointing and doing things, I would hear people calling, like, man, you're so confident, you're so this and you're so that. And I'm thinking, dude, you have no idea. I would sit in the parking lot at the high school before I would go into Crossfire and just sit in the truck shaking. I was so scared and so nervous. About just, just doing everything I could to walk up there and not pass out or throw up. Just so scared. Walking into multiple opportunities to minister. And as soon as I would walk into the building, immediately I seen myself as this big. Why am I here? I don't deserve this. I can't be the one that does this. Let someone else do it. Always pushing someone else out because it can't be me. I'm too messed up. I'm too jacked up in here. And if you actually could see what I look like in here, you wouldn't listen to what's coming out right here. And so this was my life, and this is what I did. And I hit it, and I pushed through, I fought through, I prayed through. And after all this time, God finally showed up in a way to say, I want to heal you all the way. It's incredible that he called me. It's incredible that he gave me a ministry. It's incredible the things that I've got to do and be a part of. But I can tell you right now, I would trade all of it to be fully whole and healed. The ministry fades. All those types of things go away. It's not about the gift. It's not about the talent. It's about Him saying, all nine were healed, but you've been made whole. That's what He's after. That's what He's after. So I want to challenge you in a way, because we're in such a, a, a crazy time right now. And especially in times like this, it's real easy to say, you know what, I'm going to find a cave, and I'm going to get this all figured out, I'm going to get all this right, I'm going to get it all lined out, and then we're just going to hit it strong. And Jesus is saying, no, I didn't call you to hide in a cave. What I'm asking you to do is in the midst of what you see in your life right now, begin to be obedient. Begin to go. Begin to do. 
Jennifer, how many times have you changed the way you're doing the women's house? A lot, right. I mean, it could change next week. Y'all hold on. You know why? Because she didn't have it figured out from the beginning. She just knew Jesus said, this is what you're about to do. So we do it. And when we get a few months in, we realize, oh, doing it totally wrong. He didn't show up and say, quit doing ministry because you did it wrong. No, no, no. He said, you're good. We'll stumble through this and we'll get it figured out. Now, it sounds crazy. If Now, let's, let's do it like this. What if me or dad, what if one of the pastors of this church a few months in would have came to Jennifer and said, you have to stop doing what you're doing because you're not doing it right. Everyone here would throw rocks at us until we left town. But it's what we do to ourselves. Every one of you in here has come to yourself at one point and said, no, you need to stop and pull back because you're not really, what about this thing? And you're not really doing it right, so you just need to quit. You just need to get in a cave and you need to stop. And we do it all the time. And Jesus is saying, no, I, I, can, I can fix those things. That's no big deal. I heard a statement this week. I'm about to wrap up. I heard a statement this week that just, man, it, it rocked me. But uh, it was a pastor, and he, he brought all of his leadership team together. Everyone on his pastoral team. He brought everyone together and said, this is how this is going to work. He began to lay out some plans, the way it was going to be. He said, if something happens and you end up struggling with alcoholism, well, we can work through that. We can figure this out. Something happens and you were to fall into pornography, we can work through this. We can figure this out. We're, and he started naming these things that for us, you know, like, Phew. you do one of those things, you are out. Like, you can't hang out no more. You know what I mean? He's like, no, these, these are all external things and, and, and we can work through these. He said, but if you're disloyal, you're out. And I just, man, it just stuck with me so much. And I begin to see this in Jesus. The external things and the mess-ups, and the, it didn't bother him. It didn't scare him. He would call them out. Don't get me wrong. He would call it out. And he would deal with it. But it didn't scare him, and he wasn't cutting people from the team. All he was asking for is real loyalty. The 12 were messed up, but man, they were loyal. They come to get Jesus with a troop of men. I need y'all to catch this. I love the Bible. They brought a troop of men to come get Jesus, right? So have you ever thought about the fact that when they did, Peter cut the dude's ear off? Like, Peter, are you telling me you were about to take on the whole troop? And by the way, he cut his ear off. <laughs> I beg to present to you, he wasn't aiming for his ear. But what I want you to understand is an entire troop comes and this one dude pulls a sword. He's like, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, I may be a little rough around the edges, but I'm loyal to this dude. And if you're going to take him, you're going to take him through me. This is what Jesus is looking for. If he was looking for, for perfection, he would have went and found him in the synagogue. Not in a boat fishing. Not collecting taxes. He said, man, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not looking for perfect people. I'm just looking for loyal people. I'm looking for people when I say go, they just go. 
and they just figure it out. They're, they're very, early on, very early in the ministry, and Jesus says, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pair you up, and I'm going to send you back to your cities and let you all do ministry. And they go and do it, and it's incredible. Amazing things happen. Must have been some really wild things, because after that, they actually thought they could call down fire from heaven and wipe out a whole city. So I don't know what happened in their cities, but it must have been wild. But Jesus could work through these things. So God has been teaching me personally that sometimes the healing that you're looking for comes and you just being obedient and keep going. And He's going to heal some things. He's going to work some things out. When we're, when we're obedient and we're loyal to Him, just following Him. Whatever He's saying. Whatever He's doing in the moment. We have to be careful that in these moments we're not disengaging. Now I understand it would be much easier to just stop because when you stop, you don't have to deal with the mistakes. But that's like saying parked cars don't get tickets. And you're right, they don't get tickets, but they also don't get you anywhere. Cars are not designed to be parked. They're designed to transport something from here to there. And so are you. But if you put it in park, it doesn't get where it needs to go. I feel like God is calling us back to movement. We've been still long enough. We've been chilled out long enough and we've been too much introspection and looking inward. We've become too aware of all the things and he's saying, man, I just, just want you to go and do it. There's a community just waiting on us to go, to do and to move and to be. They're just waiting on us. In a lot of ways, we become like the man with one talent. Out of fear of messing it up, out of fear of losing that one thing he had, out of fear of not doing it the right way, he just hid it and did nothing with it. And when the owner shows up, he goes to the man who hid it and says, you were unfaithful because you hid it. You didn't do nothing with it. And then Jesus actually takes from the one who has one and gives it to the one who has ten. Why? Because he's just looking for people that are willing to go and do it. This is one of the reasons I'm inspired by the people that surround me. I'm inspired by the, the friends that God has put around me because not only are they spiritually in a place where I can trust them, and we can trust one another, but they have a let's just do it attitude. Let's just go get it. Start the business. Do the thing. Buy the building. Do it. Just do something. Start a boys and girls club. I know it sounds crazy, and how would you fund it? And how? I don't know. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But right now, we're going to do what we've been asked to do. And we're going to be loyal to Him when we do it. I just want some people around me that would do it. Just make a move. Do something. So for the last time, look at the person next to you and say, do something. Go somewhere. <laughs> Tell somebody. 
I hope today has spoke to you where you're at. If not, if I'm the only one that's here right now, it's helped me so much. And it feels good to be back in a movement. It feels good to be stepping back into where I know I was called. Where I get to trust Jesus with what was wrong. And I just move into being loyal to Him. So this morning we're going to do it. Uh, we're fixing to get ready for a baptism. But I just want to do this real quick. If you feel like you're that person, you're, you're, you're between Samaria and Galilee and you've, you've had the encounter and you're becoming very aware of some stuff and you're just kind of in that torn place of do I hide in the cave and do I figure this out or do I make a movement, I want you to just stand right where you're at. You don't have to come up front. But if that's you, I just want you to stand because we're going to agree on some things. We're going to move into some things. You don't have to leave, Dustin. It'll get better. I want you guys to know that I personally have been walking through this revelation of the last few months. And it's tough. It's tough to know when to move and when to nod. And, and it's just, it's a journey. It's a process. And chances are, sometime in this process, you're going to stop and be like, oh God, did I make the right decision? Should I have done that? Should I have not done And there's going to be all these questions. But in the midst of the questions, just do this. Stay loyal to Jesus. And just keep moving. Just keep going. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep saying he's good. Keep doing what you're called to do. Dylan, it's been a joy to work with you lately, man. I'm so glad that that just, like God just dropped you right there with us. It's been awesome. But I want to pray with you guys and I want to agree with you that God is bringing us back out of the cave. That we're about to start doing some things, moving in some areas. And it's going to affect our community going to affect the people around us. So right where you are, I want you to just pray for you. Father, I thank you today that you have called us back out of hiding. That you are reminding us you've called us to be a people of movement. That the Great Commission was go. Just go somewhere. Disciple. Tell of my goodness. Preach the gospel. God, bring us back to that place where we're a people who are ready to go. We're ready to deliver the gospel. We're ready to share the good news, even through the mess-ups, even through the dysfunctions. God, that we're going to trust that you're healing, you're working, you're doing things. We just got to move. We got to be obedient. We have to trust what you say in the moment and keep stepping, keep moving, keep going. God, I just declare this morning that these that are standing, they are about to start moving forward. And in the process of moving, you're going to heal some things. And all of a sudden, they're going to stop and say, oh, wow, this has been dealt with. It has been taken care of. All I had to do was be loyal. All I had to do was be obedient. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that you're healing us even as we go. That you're not just healing us physically, but you're healing us completely, wholly, inside and out, body, soul, and spirit. Father, we thank you for it this morning. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.